Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So I was very, very excited because I saw this very distinguished, our next guest, Dr. Stephen G. Waxman, cited in a couple of articles having to do with the prospects of a breakthrough in treating pain management and also perhaps osteoarthritis. Dr. Stephen Waxman is both an MD and a PhD, no small feat. He is a professor of neurology, neuroscience, and pharmacology, the director for the Center for Neuroscience and Regeneration and Neurorehabilitation research at the Yale University School of Medicine and the VA Connecticut. And he has, I think he's published hundreds of papers. His first paper was published back in 1970. He got his BA from Harvard and his MD and PhD PhD degrees from Albert Einstein College of Medicine. And I mean, really, I just love the area that this very distinguished brain has decided to go into. And I have a particular, as you know, personal interest in this because my husband has been suffering from neuropathy now for eight years, and it's one of these devastating diagnoses that has truly changed our lives. So I would like to welcome to the show Dr. Stephen Waxman with that introduction. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, hello, Lisa. It's good to be here. Uh, I'm passionate about the the work that's going on and the progress, so I'm glad to share it with you and your listeners. So... The um, headline is a real grabber. It says, Yale University study a potential game changer for treating osteoarthritis. What are we talking about here, Dr. Waxman? And we know that, well, you'll tell us the disclaimers about that it you know, hasn't been proven yet and blah, blah, blah. But what are, what are, tell, start with the science. What have we sure. discovered here? What's going on? Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, as you can tell from my titles, I straddle clinical neurology. I'm a physician, a neurologist, and basic neuroscience and pharmacology. I'm interested in how the multitude of molecules that make up nerve cells uh, and associated supporting cells work, uh, and in understanding them so that we can treat previously untreatable uh, diseases. That's the goal, uh, to make uh, untreatable diseases treatable, and one of them is chronic pain. Uh, Now, 
before I talk about the science per se, let me build on what you said uh, in terms of of caveats. Sure. And uh, it's this. I think it's fair to say that our results are a breakthrough. Um, They're a very significant and exciting breakthrough, but the breakthrough is scientific. Uh, We don't yet have a a new treatment for pain uh, or joint degeneration in osteoarthritis. Uh, I think uh, we have a very clear path to doing that, but it's going to take time, and it's not going to happen next month or next year. It will take years. So uh, that's important for your your readers to understand. Uh, On the one hand, it's not that we have a new treatment in hand. On the other hand, there is... Very exciting progress, and there is hope. Now, in terms of the the scientific background, uh, this begins with three threads, and the threads all have to do with a class of molecules called sodium channels. Sodium channels are protein molecules in the membranes of cells uh, that produce tiny electrical currents. And the first thread began in 1952, almost 75 years ago, when two scientists, uh, Alan Hodgkin uh, and Andrew Huxley, working in Great Britain, uh, discovered that sodium channels produce nerve impulses in nerve cells, muscle cells, and heart cells. Uh, This was absolutely revolutionary. It established these channels uh, as a keystone of uh, biology, and they got the Nobel Prize for that work in 1963. Wow. Um, I should tell you that in 1995, I edited a book on nerve fibers. It was called The Axon, The Nerve Fiber. And uh, uh, I asked Andrew Huxley, by then he was Sir Andrew Huxley, to write an introductory paragraph on the history of our understanding of nerve fibers and how they work. And he did write that. Uh, it was a beautiful, a beautiful uh, introductory paragraph, uh, introductory chapter. And the last couple of sentences are really important. Uh, what he closed by saying, he, he said, uh, in 1952, after my colleague Hodgkin and I discovered sodium channels, we moved to other lines of work. Uh, that we had no idea of how to move ahead. Uh, any idea of studying these channels by modern physiology or by molecular genetics would have seemed to them to be science fiction. And I, I show that at the beginning of my lectures because we now are walking through the science fiction of our forebears and we're able to take the information and use it to develop new treatments that, that help society. So the first thread is that sodium channels are present in and essential for the production of nerve impulses uh, in nerve cells, muscle cells, and heart cells. That's one thread. That's classical. That's absolutely part of our catechism as biologists. Uh, Every beginning medical student learns it, period. The The second thread began here at Yale in the 1990s where we learned that sodium channels not only produce nerve impulses, but they also can produce tiny electrical currents that can contribute to cell injury. And that raised the possibility that one might be able to protect against cell injury by designing drugs that block the activity of sodium channels. So that was in the 1990s. 
And also in the 1990s, uh, we learned that, as I said, sodium channels play a key role in nerve cells, muscle cells, cardiac cells, where they produce nerve impulses. But the, and, and those cells are termed excitable cells. Uh, there are other cells that are inexcitable. They do not produce nerve impulses. But we'll, what we began to learn in the 1990s, we had glimpses that tiny numbers of sodium channels are present in these non-excitable cells, astroglial cells, which support nerve cells, oligodendrocytes, which produce myelin insulation around uh, uh, nerve cells, and white blood cells, tiny numbers of sodium channels in these cells. And we did that in the 1990s. It did not get a lot of traction. And the reason was that we showed the channels were there, but it wasn't clear what was happening. So that's a background. Then you can fast forward to 2017. Uh, so uh, a colleague of mine, Xuanzhu Lu, uh, is an absolutely superb, outstanding bone and joint biologist. Uh, he runs a laboratory understanding bone and joint disease, including osteoarthritis. And he called me up uh, and said, in tissue from patients with osteoarthritis, and this was tissue taken uh, when joints were replaced, uh, what he found is that one particular sodium channel, it's called NAV 1.7, is upregulated. There are too many of them. And he said, do you want to and, and my lab was the world center for the study of these molecules, NAV 1.7. We're a worldwide hub, and we have methods for studying them that are available nowhere else. Hmm. So he asked if we could work together, and we did. Um, and that was the beginning of this project on uh, osteoarthritis. The fact that we began in 2017 and it didn't get uh, published until 2023 uh, gives a sense of the fact that this is very challenging work. It was a real priority for us. We threw the book at it. Uh, the number of channels is tiny, so it was very hard to study them, detect them and study them, uh, and uh, the experiments were very challenging. But we showed that chondrocytes, these are joint cells in, in patients with osteoarthritis, do contain NAD 1.7 sodium channels. Uh, the channels are functional. They have their normal properties. And then Xuanzhu did a series of experiments showing in mouse models, mouse models of osteoarthritis, that you could slow or almost halt the degeneration of joints by either removing the NAV 1.7 uh, channels genetically, that's called knockout, uh, or by blocking them with various drugs including a commonly used anti-epilepsy drug called carbamazepine. And all three of these maneuvers that uh, uh, reduce the activity of NAV 1.7 uh, markedly slowed the degeneration of, of joints in these mass models. So, so that's where we are. It's that's unbelievable. Dr. Yeah. Stephen Waxman, that's a lot to unpack, but... The, the, the tail end of what you're saying is that a medicine that already exists can be used in a way that has never been thought that it could be used for. You say an anti-epilepsy drug, so this drug was prevented to help people not have seizures. And what you're saying is it could also help people retard, slow the growth or slow the progression of osteoarthritis? That's the implication. Uh, now, there are a couple of caveats. Uh, moving from mice 
to humans is not trivial. True. We True. in this case that carbamazepine has been used for decades uh, for the treatment of epilepsy and a, a, a facial pain disorder called trigeminal neuralgia. So we have thousands, hundreds of uh, tens of thousands of patients who've been treated for decades. Uh, the safety profile is is uh, known to be uh, good, and that that uh, sets us up for moving ahead. Um, on the other hand, uh, there are more modern forms of carbamazepine. A carbamazepine does cause some sleepiness, confusion. Uh, there are more modern derivatives. We need to test them, uh, and uh, we need to do things like ask, would we want to administer the drug orally or by injections into the joint? And those injections are commonly done by orthopedic surgeons or rheumatologists. Uh, there are advantages to both. We need to work all this out in uh, animals and then move to a clinical trial. Uh, so what and, was I reading that Vertex was doing? Was that similar to this? What was I reading that Vertex was doing that I thought was part of this overall research about pain, about finding a non-opioid, um, a non-opioid um, remedy for pain? That, so the Vertex story is fascinating and very, very encouraging. There are two molecular batteries, two types of sodium channels, NAV 1.7 and NAV 1.8, that share a very important property. They're present in our peripheral nerves, the nerves to our hands and feet, to our body surface, but not in the brain and spinal cord. Oh. And the importance of that is as follows. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The, the need for new pain medications is immense, and there has been nothing new over the past several decades. But despite that, Every one of us who's gone to the dentist knows that you can receive a local injection mm -hmm. of a drug called, no, like, lidocaine or novocaine. Right. right. And no pain. No pain. Uh, lidocaine and novocaine are non-selective sodium channel blockers. There are nine types of sodium channels, and uh, uh, lidocaine and novocaine block all of them. Wow. So if you took lidocaine or novocaine, put them in the form of a pill, you would block sodium channels not only in your peripheral nerves, but also in the brain and the heart. And so you would get double vision, loss of balance, yeah. sleepiness, and confusion. Okay. And uh, that, that triggered a race as it became clear that there are many types of sodium channels. Might there be sodium channels just present in peripheral nerve essential for pain signaling? NAV 1.7 and NAV 1.8 work together in this way as peripheral sodium channels involved in, in pain signaling. Vertex decided to target NAV 1.8, uh, 
uh, and uh, it, largely on the basis of studies that we did in the year 2001, 2002, 2003. Uh, they have come up with results that are encouraging. Uh, they have statistically significant reductions in post-operative pain. This is not chronic pain. This is post-operative pain, acute pain. Uh, uh, and the results are very solid. Uh, and I'm very encouraged. I view this as proof of concept in humans that one can reduce pain by blocking a peripheral sodium channel. In this so case, let me ask you a question. I have so many questions here. We're chatting with Dr. Stephen Waxman. This is so exciting for me. Uh, okay, so now let's talk about my personal life, right? Because a lot of this comes down to why why do we pursue things? Because we care about them. My husband has neuropathy in his feet. It's not in his hands. It's in his feet. Um, he doesn't have it as a result of diabetes or chemotherapy. He has, you know, he has it as a result of a surgery, but it's there. And, um, and it's significantly, um, it's so terrible to live with somebody in such pain. And, um, he's now, you know, he takes gabapentin. He doesn't take any narcotic substance, uh, but he takes gabapentin and it does okay. And he tries not to take too much of it. And then when he cuts back on it, he gets pain again. And we try all these other therapies, and he's been to every doctor under the sun, including somebody at Yale who was highly recommended, Dr. Waxman. Can you give us a little hope? My husband's still a relatively young man. Is there something that's going to help him? Uh, Yes. Um, So uh, we talked about the Vertex drug uh, having been tested in acute pain. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've published the first of, of those studies. They've released the results of the second study and uh, it's very encouraging. In addition to acute pain, the bigger societal need, in my mind, is exactly what you described, chronic pain. Mm -hmm. And one very important source of chronic pain is peripheral neuropathy. My dad spent the last two, three years of his life almost in a coma. He was almost in a coma because of the high doses of opiates that were used pretty unsuccessfully to attempt to reduce the pain he had from peripheral neuropathy. Yeah. And and my dad, your husband, represent the tip of an iceberg. It's an immense Right? Need. It's huge. It it, it 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 it's very huge, especially as medicine allows us to live longer. Uh so uh and, and it's interesting you you describe your husband's pain as being in his feet. Yeah. For reasons that we don't fully understand, peripheral neuropathy affects first the longest nerve fibers. Those are the ones to to the feet, and then it involves the hands. And so they they have what's called a stocking and glove pattern of pain and loss of sensation. So you asked about hope. Um, there is hope. Uh, Vertex is studying their drug uh, uh, going forward in patients with peripheral neuropathy, uh, and hopefully it will be as effective as it was in in acute pain. The results were uh, uh, solid but modest. The reduction in pain is similar to that of the opiates. It does not totally relieve pain. It reduces it. But my feeling is that this proof of concept coming from the Vertex study, which in many ways was based on our work, is going to propel work forward and that uh, there will soon be a second generation of even better non-opiate pain drugs. You know, um, if you think about 
the history of medicine, think about the development of the statin drugs, which yes. have been a revolution in yes. cardiovascular medicine. Yep. Uh, the first of those drugs were not terribly good, but they established the beachhead. They provided proof of principle uh, that encouraged uh, further research. And the second and third generation uh, drugs are keeping people alive for decades uh, where they would not have previously uh, survived. So there is hope. Uh, uh, and uh, things are going to happen. I just think that people need to temper their expectations and understand it's not going to be tomorrow. So, Dr. Stephen Waxman from Yale, I have a couple of questions to you from listeners. One listener wants to know, what about sciatica and back pain? Are we, are we talking about the same promise uh, for the NAV 17 or 18 for humans eventually with that? Uh, well, yeah, that, that's a great question, and both of these are very, very common, sciatica and lower back pain. And let me talk about them separately. Okay. Uh, sciatica, uh, by definition, involves the compression of nerve roots or peripheral nerve uh, and causes uh, can cause severe, severe pain, uh, and that would be expected to respond to these new drugs. Back pain, on the other hand, is complex. Uh, I was asked to comment on uh, uh, some data uh, from another research group, and uh, to illustrate their data, they began. Uh, they were interested in back pain. They began with a picture of an individual with back pain. They showed a woman grimacing and holding her back. Mm-hmm. So, what is back pain? Mm. Uh, back pain involves bone pain. There's joint pain. There's pain intrinsic to muscle. There is muscle spasm superimposed on that. There's inflammation, and sometimes there's also nerve compression. And so it has these multiple components. Uh, It's a very large uh, public health need. It's a major cause for loss of of work days. There will be progress, but uh, it's more complex than, say, sciatica. And so uh, uh, the studies may go a little less rapidly. Dr. Waxman, we're chatting with Stephen Waxman, 203-333-9422. I'm going to, at the risk of oversimplifying and displaying my extraordinary ignorance, when I hear sodium, I think about NaCl, sodium chloride, and salt. Is there any correlation in all of your years of doing this research between our diet and our ability to have healthy nerves? No. Uh, uh, dietary sodium is 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 gallons of sodium. Uh, nerve cells put in uh, tiny, tiny droplets, uh, and so there's no relationship to uh, uh, to diet. So, uh, in my from my point of view, there's no scientific rationale for thinking that there are going to be dietary approaches or that one can modify uh, pain by diet. Except for the fact that it's probably good to be within the weight that we should be in because it doesn't stress our joints so much, et cetera. The obvious common sense things, right? Oh, look, uh, uh, overweight is a, a well-known risk factor for the development of, of uh, uh, osteoarthritis. Uh, it's also a risk factor for the de- development of diabetes, and that can uh, be associated with diabetic neuropathy. So in a general health sense, we all ought to be doing all the the, uh, the things that, that, that you mentioned, certainly attending to our diet, our weight, et cetera, et cetera. 
Dr. Waxman, before I let you go, for people who are listening that might want to be part of a clinical trial that would raise their hand to maybe be part of this first generation because they feel like the existing options are not very good, so why not? Uh, do they want to, could they call up your, I know you're doing things on mice, but do you eventually translate to people or do you recommend they call a company like Vertex and sign up? You know, people yeah, we, people need hope. So what do you think? Yeah. We are not doing clinical trials at the moment, except trials on, on individuals with very, very well-defined genetic disorders. Okay. And we just don't have the resources to, I, I try to answer Every email I get from a patient, but there's a point at which it just would shut us down and divert us from our research. So we, we don't have anything in our research program that's uh, yet ready for general consumption or even clinical trials. Uh, I expect that Vertex will be uh, uh, having further clinical trials, but I don't know. And when they do, they'll have very, very precise sites very precise inclusion criteria, exclusion criteria. Uh, so they will let the public know they'll be looking for subjects. And Dr. Waxman, did you grow up in the Philadelphia area? No. <laughs> no, my wife and I both grew up in New Jersey, in West Orange, New Jersey. I have a brother who's a pediatrician in the Philadelphia area. Because I'm, I, I have, I'm sensing, you have, the way you pronounce your R's, I, I think maybe it's like more like Southern Jersey towards Philadelphia. I just was curious. Do you know that there's another wonderful Dr. Waxman out there, Sam Waxman? Do you know him? I, I know of him. I, I've never met him, but uh, he sounds like he, he's terrific. He's a prince of a guy. He, I mean, if you ever get to meet him, maybe he's common on your genetic tree. I've known him for years. Um, he did some marvelous work, I think, with leukemia years ago. Uh, and anyway, he's a wonderful guy. I thought he, maybe you guys were related. Uh, Dr. No, Stephen Wax. Yeah, go ahead. He is a cancer researcher. I hope never to meet him. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Dr. Yeah. Waxman, I want to thank you so much for honestly being able to articulate so well what this is about. And, and giving us hope and promise and telling us what to look for. And I really want to congratulate you for a lifetime of trying to connect the dots to help people. Well, let me close uh, again, since I know people hang on every word and look for hope. Uh, here at Yale Medical School and at the VA, we have a small army of energetic, talented uh, scientists, investigators working 24-7. Our goal is to uh, uh, put pain out of business. Uh, it's As I've said, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but uh, we are absolutely fixated on it, and I'm confident that we will win the battle. Thank you Thanks. so much. Thank you, Dr. Stephen Waxman from Yale on the Lisa Wexler Show. We'll be right back. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 